0: Hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heat is Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. Thank you for checking in. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, now up 3 1 in their second round series, the Miami Heat. So, Miami wins game four last night against the New York Knicks, 109 101. They take a 3 1 lead, they are one game away from getting back to the Eastern Conference Finals where they would face one of the Boston Celtics or the Philadelphia 76ers. Both teams we played last year, so we're just moving right along, it seems, at this point. But job's not done yet. Miami does still need to finish off the New York. So, as usual, we'll go through the recap, go through last night's game, and then look ahead to a potential closeout Game 5 for tomorrow night, Wednesday. So we go back to last night, down at South Beach, where the Miami Heat beat the New York Knicks 109-101. to Mentioned that a little bit ago. But for rotation stuff, uh, Miami, they kept the same 10-man rotation, same lineup, no changes or anything of the sort. I mean, they won Game 3 in a blowout fashion. Kind of understandable that you just roll out and try to do the same thing and then see what your opponent does to try to make it not so much a blowout. Knicks- did make some adjustments themselves. Well, first they were forced to make adjustments, uh, mainly because Emmanuel quickly, who sprained his ankle in Game Three, was officially ruled out for Game Four earlier in the day. So they gave some minutes to, I believe, is Daniel McBride. He got a few minutes that that got their rotation out to eight, though he did not play much in the second half. And then they made a lineup change, putting Quentin Grimes into the starting lineup in place of Josh Hart. Admittedly, I don't know enough about the New York Knicks to know exactly. I mean, it it seemed to be done, so that way they could try to keep Grimes on Butler. Maybe they thought he would do a better job than Josh Hart did. It didn't work, but that's the adjustment the Knicks made uh, nonetheless. For the game itself... This was, a, for lack of a better term, like just a very calm, chill game, if, if that makes any sense. It was not a game that had very many major runs or, or large leads like uh, in previous games or, or typically that we think of throughout the playoffs, like... If I remember correctly, there were actually like no 7-0 type runs in this game at all. But to go through the recap itself, nonetheless, Heat take an early lead. Knicks, to their credit, were able to tie it at various points throughout the first quarter. But Miami, for the most part, staying ahead. Down the stretch, they did trade some buckets to, to swap out the lead. But eventually it ended with Miami up one at the end of first. So even after, again, after a really good first quarter by the Knicks, Miami's still up. So, second quarter itself, Heat defense really locked down. They held the Knicks to 29% field goal shooting in the second quarter. Really cold. But the Heat did give the Knicks some life, giving up six turnovers. So, not quite blowing out the Knicks because of that. They were still ahead, and they still built upon their lead. Heat up eight going into the halftime. But they could have been double digits or more if not for all the turnovers. Third quarter, it swung the opposite way where the Knicks offense really got going. They went from 29% in the second quarter to shooting 77% from the field in the third quarter. But the Heat still able to keep pace and not give up any of their lead really because they took a higher volume of their shots from three. The Heat in that quarter were like 55-56%, so still really good. But the added volume from three in comparison to the Knicks, I think they were two or five in that quarter, uh, which is still good, but is a, a relatively low volume. That, that difference in the three-point shooting was enough that Miami was able to keep pace and actually go up by one more. So Miami up nine going into the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter itself, heater up nine. Not that the Knicks have really done much to threaten them at all, but it was still a possibility And then to help them out, the Heat could not hit a three in the fourth quarter. Literally, they were over whatever they were in the fourth. But the Miami Heat completely flipping the script on the Knicks by grabbing seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter to the Knicks one. And because of those extra possessions, the Knicks never got it any closer than six as eventually the game just cruised towards the finish line, Miami winning 109-101. Like I said, the top... More of a chill, drama-free kind of win for Miami this time. Not quite the blowout Game 3 was. Uh, not quite any of the heart attack games like we had last series with the Bucks. So, just a good, chill, professional win. Uh, takeaways for the game, though. Kind of building off of what happened in the fourth quarter, Miami did a really good job beating the Knicks at their game, winning the re- actually dominating the rebounding battle 44-35. to and even beating the Knicks on offensive rebounds 13-8, to which, granted, of that 13, half of that came in the fourth quarter itself because Miami grabbed seven, so they went in with six going into the fourth quarter. But I think it says more about the Knicks not reaching double-digit offensive rebounds, which is a little bit Miami that's what they've been trying to do all series is limit them but also I think is the Knicks making an adjustment to not crash and not send as many bodies to the offensive glass so that way they can keep bodies in transition against you know Kyle Lowry or Kevin Love outlet passes because that was especially what killed them in game three And to a degree, it did work. Like, Miami, uh, in previous games, was was doing double-digit fast-break points. They only got nine this game, which still let them win that fast-break point battle because the Knicks only got six themselves because, again, Miami doing a good job with transition defense. But just to say, it seemed to be a point of emphasis for the Knicks that they were actually going to go, hey, we're going to lean against one of our strengths from the regular season, the offensive rebounding, just because we're getting killed in transition so much. And I think that actually was the wrong move. That plays more into what Miami wants to do, and plays less to the strengths of what this Knicks team did through the course of the season. But nonetheless, it worked out for Miami this game. I will obviously take it. And last part for this, uh, because of the difference in offensive rebounding, and this leads to another area that the, the Knicks typically win: second chance points. And said Miami winning that the second chance point battle last night, seventeen to seven. So that's where again you see everything kinda link itself, right? If the Knicks are so mo- are so worried about the outlet passes from Love, they don't crash the offensive glasses hard, they don't crash the offensive glasses hard, they don't give me second chance points, they'll give me second chance points, they don't give me 2nd chance points they can not really go on those long sustained runs that they usually get, and then they end up just being kept at arm's length throughout this entire game. But also keeping them at arms length throughout the entire game, Jimmy Butler, who had a bit of a chill night himself Of a whole home stat line: 27 points, six rebounds, ten assists, two steals, two blocks. He makes it look just so in the flow of everything. Uh, Did so on nine of seventeen from the field, one of three from three-point range, eight of nine from the free throw line. So good efficiencies. He did still play in the fourth quarter, but did not have to take over. Uh, It was pretty much like he was out there as a breaking case of emergency. And I think that may also play a little bit as well into the psychology of the game. Like if you're the New York Knicks, you're you're trying so hard to come back. It's the fourth quarter. Miami's grabbing all the offensive rebounds. You can't grab anything. You're trying to get stuff going. And then you know that just just waiting there, just lurking around on the on the court is a Jimmy Butler that if things actually start to go your way, he's gonna take over and finish things off. Fortunately for Miami, this was not one of those nights that Jimmy needed to take over, which I think speaks to a, a big difference between like this series and the Bucks series, where by Game 4 and 5, when Giannis was back especially, Jimmy had to take over at certain points in those games, especially in the 4th, in order to get those wins. Here, he's just kind of monitoring or supervising. like Him getting those 10 assists speaks, again, a lot to the difference between the game plans as well between the Bucs and the Knicks, where the Bucks were happy to let Jimmy cook and therefore he cooked and got a ton of points. This series, the Knicks have made it a point of emphasis to double to double Jimmy and try to get the ball out of his hands. And he's doing so at, at key opportune moments where it's not just, hey let me get the ball out right now. It's hey let me collapse the defense on myself so that when I throw this out to Bam Adebayo, he's got a clear runway for an easy dunk. And yet in the flow of things, it it doesn't stand out. <laughs> like that's probably the, the what I would say is the, the key takeaway for this takeaway is just Butler has been dominating this series in a way that doesn't stand out, but it, it still reflects in the end result, Miami being up 3-1. So I always got to give Jimmy Butler his props. After him, Bam Adebayo, who had a phenomenal game. He's He's been a little hit or miss, especially on the offensive end. Throughout the playoffs, he's been given the paso, given his, de- his defensive responsibilities. But tonight, he really killed it on the offensive end as well. 23 points, 13 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal. On 10 of 17 from the field, 3 of 5 from the free throw line. So doing a better job. Well, doing a little bit better job of being aggressive on himself. And then the Heat did a better job of setting him up. Like I mentioned, Jimmy Butler, there was at least two dunks Bam had in that game that was just set up off of a very good Jimmy Butler passes for wide open lanes. But really attacked the rim on the offense. You know, again, like I mentioned, just getting those passes and going right at the rim. And on the defensive end, forced Julius Randle. Though Randle did finish with 20 points on you know, relatively good efficiency, 8 of 13 from the field, those were not an easy 8 of 13. Those were hard, difficult shots, either over Bam or after the Knicks had done some work to get Randall onto somebody else. Like, I know in the first quarter in particular, they were able to switch him on to Max Struess a few times, and he got cooking off of that, which still, Struess put him into some difficult shots. But once they figured out how to not Get Max Drew switched onto Randall and just kept Bam on him the entire time. I mean, Bam for the most part shut Randall down. And hey, if Bam is giving you 2010 and shutting down the opponent's best like wing slash center player, we uh, shouldn't ask too much more than that. But next takeaway: Miami's bench just absolutely blasting New York's 32 to 10. Another big swing in Miami's favor. Uh, Bench being primarily led by Kyle Lowry, finishing 15 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and Caleb Martin, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and had, oh yeah, and Caleb Martin had a monstrous dunk off of a Jimmy Butler assist, actually Butler's 10th assist, so he helped Butler get the double-double there in the fourth quarter. But yeah, Martin and Lowry leading the bench, leading that unit for Miami, and again, 32-10. Thirty-two to ten. That's plus twenty-two right there. That's that's a huge advantage towards Miami, especially considering the Knicks had one of the better benches in the regular season. Uh, last few takeaways, real quick. Heat winning the three-point shooting battle. Thir- they went thirteen to thirty-nine, good for thirty-three percent. To the Knicks, nine of twenty-eight, good for thirty-two percent. So beat them on both efficiency and volume. And again. That, that's going to contribute a lot. We went back to like the third quarter as an example where the Knicks, phenomenal shooting from the field, but Miami got the volume up instead and that ended up being able to help them keep pace for what should have been a quarter where the Knicks cut into Miami's lead and said Miami extended it because of that. Next takeaway, winning the turnover battle, uh, Miami won that 12-16 to despite a second quarter where they gave up six, so half of their turnovers came in the second quarter alone. They really clamped down in the second half only committing 3 turnovers then and through that one points off of turnovers as well. 22 to 15. So, another important battle going Miami's way. And lastly, they almost did the same trick that they did in game 3 where in game 3 every player for Miami was positive in plus minus, every player for the Knicks was negative in plus minus to reflect just like an up to down ass kicking that game three was they almost did the same in game four with just the exceptions of duncan robinson who was a zero for miami struggling a little bit um to shoot i think he was like one of seven from three i know he's at least one of seven from the field and i think all of his shots were from three but not his, not a great performance and yet still finished with a zero and then mitchell robinson for the knicks finished with a plus one but other than that Everybody for Miami positive, everybody for the Knicks negative. But with those two performances, Miami Heat hold on to their home court advantage, winning their two games at home, taking a commanding 3-1 lead. But series are not first to three, series are first to four, so job's not done yet. Looking ahead now to tomorrow night, Miami will be at New York for a potential closeout game five. As usual, let's take a look at the injury report first. For Miami, no role updates. Tyler Hero, nothing officially updated there, but was seen with the cast off his hand. Uh, at best, he's still probably late of the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe even the Finals, provided Miami gets there. So that's about all for that one. Uh, Victor Depot after the season. And then on the Knicks side of things, uh, Manuel Quickly is still listed as day-to-day, so there's a possibility he could be available for Game 5. He did miss and missing uh, game four. So we'll have to see how that goes. But for the game itself now, game five at Knicks Wednesday night, a win closes this series out, and Miami advances to the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in the four years that Jimmy Butler has been here, uh, which is again. Just phenomenal accomplishment right there. But a loss tomorrow night would see this series come back to Miami for game six on Friday. Which, given that the sixers celtic series is going to go at least six games since it's tied 2-2, that would be, so game five for them is tonight, game six would be Thursday. So Miami would, would be in a better position, obviously, to get this series done sooner than later, because the that's... Their opponent could be wrapped up by Thursday, and you don't want the Heat to be playing on Friday. You want them to be resting Friday instead. So with that in mind, what can Miami expect from the Knicks tomorrow? And what, again, is a literal closeout game for them, so they will throw everything they have. For the most part, I think the Knicks have kind of already done the adjustments that they would have needed to make. Like, they moved... Uh, Quentin Grimes to the starting lineup, so they made a change of starting rotation. Maybe they try to go back, but then you just kind of look flip-floppy at that point. Uh, They've already started to back off the offensive glass to try to cover the transition game from, like, Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry. They already talked about that, but that didn't really seem to help. Really, I think about the only thing they can do, start trimming down their rotation to 7 or 8, depending upon quickly status. Maybe look to cut out mcbride entirely i still mention obi Toppin about every one of these podcasts just because i think he's a liability out there for him and but hey if they want to throw him out there i'm sure miami will still appreciate it but it's just and i'm really trying not to just be the miami heat guy rah-rah in the miami heat but like i legitimately (laughs) don't see a lot of options for the knicks here there there's always the proverbial we'll just play better play harder shoot better Yeah, sure. But everybody wants to do that every game. So I don't consider that like really an adjustment that you can make. Uh, Maybe with the back against the walls and with the home crowd, they have a better sense of urgency. They can lean on their home crowd, you know, rah, rah. They knock down some threes and they can try to build some momentum there. That's still all definitely possible. I just don't think it's something that you can necessarily rely on with certainty. Like Miami still went in game one and beat the New York Knicks on their arena at first game of the series where that's where the crowd is also pretty equally excited to get into things. But it's just also how Miami has countered just about everything like the Knicks have done. So the, the, the microcosm of this is just Jimmy Butler himself. Oh, you're gonna double team me? Okay, well then I'm actually gonna take your double team, collapse it further onto me, and then kick it out for an easy pass. And th- thus we've seen Jimmy be a playmaker this series. W- what do you do against that? <laughs> like he's literally just just playing you almost. He's playing the defense to, to get easy looks for other players. You just have to hope that those other players don't knock them down. But they've already shown that they can in game one. And they almost stole game two, so you can't really rely on that. So do you then give up on the plan of doubling Jimmy and just make him score one-on-one and, and stay home on everybody else? Well, <laughs> by all means, go ahead. We've seen what Jimmy Butler did with that in the first round against the Bucks. So either or, what real option do you have? You just try to go with the one that doesn't hurt you the most and then try to make it up in other areas. But the Knicks aren't making it up in other areas. They're not winning the turnover battle. They at times are even losing the rebounding battle, and that's the one thing that they are supposed to dominate. They're not winning the fast break game. And then on the offensive side for them, like they they are more or less figured out. Like you clamp down on Jalen Brunson, you and granted Brunson phenomenal game from him in Game Four, but it just wasn't enough they weren't able to get anybody else outside of like Barrett, Randall, and Br- remember, Randall for his his situation is, is fighting for his life, being defended by Bam Adebayo. Barrett has himself a good game, but outside of those three with Brunson, nobody else really did much of anything. Nobody else even scored double digits. So the offensive end, not really working for the Knicks. Defensive ends, not working too great either. Yeah, really, the, the the more I think about it, the more I just come back to hoping that they can get some energy off the home crowd, hope they can get some energy from having their backs against the wall, and then hope that they can, or actually, for lack of a better term, hope that the Miami Heat just have a bit of a dud game, and they look ahead to, to having game six, because for the most part, Miami, all they need to do is just keep on being on. They have not really been pushed or significantly challenged this series. Maybe they won't. Maybe the Knicks are just ready to be done. Uh, I mean, even there was a quote Julius Randle last night where he even asked that as well. Like, maybe the Heat just want it more than they do. And if he's already thinking that, then that could be leaking throughout their locker room. And if that's what they're going to think, I don't see any way that they beat Miami. Because, like, that was part of their identity in the regular season. So... If Miami has punked these guys to the point that they're questioning what was their identity and what got them to their fifth seed in the first place, that sounds like a broken team that, that's ready to go into the offseason. I will still continue to be cautious and, and say, job's not done, you still have to go in, you still have to beat them, you still have to send them off officially. But all signs to me point towards Miami, if not closing this out tomorrow night, Game 5 most certainly uh, Game 6 on Friday. But Game 5 will be tomorrow, so ga- uh, I will have a recap for that Thursday afterwards, and then, you know, based upon how that goes, maybe I look ahead to a potential Sixers uh, Celtics series, or I am reca- uh, looking ahead to Game 6 on Friday. We'll figure that out uh, after tomorrow night. But I do thank you for hanging around today, though. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod at Heaters Heating and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell off of Twitter. Also, check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball, especially for Celtic stuff, considering that they're in a fun 2-2 series right now. Links for everything are in the show notes as usual. I'll be back on Thursday. So until then, have a good week, Heat Nation.